Good morning. Please, meet, please join me in the call to worship found in your bulletin. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Will we open the door and answer the call? Will we open the door to Christ's love and message of justice for all? Will we take a stand against violence and the killing of children and youth? Will we move our nation toward the change of Christ's peace? Seek to serve with love in your hearts. Come with open eyes and open ears to see and hear all that God is showing and calling us to do. sent your son to this earth so that we may have life and, li and have it more abundantly. We give you thanks this morning for that gift. In your love, we have been changed and our lives are better for your presence with us. Be with us today as we join together in worship. Open our hearts to your love, our eyes to your visions, and our ears to your words. Still our hearts, calm our minds, and help us be comforted in your presence. All this we pray in Jesus' name who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, to share with you a story written by an unknown author about what it might sound like to have an interview with God. I like this story because it prompts each of us to think about what we might want to ask God if we were able to hold an interview, and then think about what God might say to us. We often find that when we listen to what we think God would say to us, they are kinder and gentler words than the ones we say to ourselves. 
I dreamed I had an interview with God. So, you would like to interview me, God asked. If you have the time, I said. God smiled. My time is eternity. What questions do you have in mind for me? What surprises you most about humankind? God answered that they get bored with childhood, that they rush to grow up, and then they long to be children again, that they lose their health to make money, and then lose their money to restore their health, that by thinking anxiously about the future, they forget the present, such that they live in neither the present nor the future, that they live as if they would never die, and die as though they had never lived. God's hands took mine, and we were silent for a while. And then I asked, as a parent, what are some of life's lessons you want your children to learn? God replied, to learn that they cannot make anyone love them. All they can do is let themselves be loved. To learn that it is not good to compare themselves to others. To learn to forgive by practicing forgiveness. To learn that it only takes a few seconds to open profound wounds in those they love, and it can take many years to heal them. To learn that a rich person is not the one who has the most, but is the one who needs the least. To learn that there are people who love them dearly, but simply do not yet know how to express or show their feelings. To learn that two people can look at the same thing and see it differently. To learn that it is not enough that they forgive one another, but they must also forgive themselves. Thank you for your time, I said humbly. Is there anything else you would like your children to know? God smiled and said, just know that I am here, always. May or may not know, this is a day in which the children become the worship leaders, celebrating the future of the church and recognizing the importance that children and youth have in our church. If you would, please take the friendship register that you will find outside of your pews, sign the name, and pass it on to your neighbors. Be sure to greet one another following service. Today following Easter Sunday, you are invited to coffee and find food provided by the Board of Christian Education. After that, you can join Julian, Floyd, and Paul in a discussion of the movie that was aired last night, Jesus Revolution. Next week, we will continue with Julian's second hour of the Gospel of Luke like normal. Later coming up this month, we have the annual Valentine's Movie Night on February 14th at 6, a Rash Wednesday service on February 22nd at 7, and the 180th annual meeting and luncheon on February 26th. On behalf of all the youth of the church, I'd like to thank you for giving us this opportunity to lead in worship.
come up. God, thank you for making me unique. Help us all to embrace our differences because it makes us special. Amen. Okay, so this year the kindergarten teachers urge you to go to Japan.
we begin this time of prayer, please keep the following in your prayers. Julianne Center, our student minister, whose apartment building suffered a devastating fire yesterday. Fortunately, everybody got out safely, including Coco the dog. <laughs> so we give prayers of peace and love and thanksgiving to her. For those who are in the hospital, for those who are recovering from surgery, for those receiving a medical diagnosis, we pray for all to be touched by the love and grace of God. And we also take time to pray that our country stops violence, that we find a solution to end mass shootings, that we begin to treat one another with respect and care and not violence and hatred. With these prayers and the prayers that are in our own hearts, let us pray. Dear God, we come to you today knowing that we live in a complex world. Nations are divided, chaos has a hold in many places, and people are at war, causing starvation, hopelessness, separation. Help us, God, to help our world to come together as one creation. In our country, the smallest things divide us. Instead of listening and respecting different opinions, we fight and argue and say hurtful things. This keeps us growing apart and prevents us from becoming a united nation. Help us to understand our flaws and differences and overcome them in ourselves, so we can respect every person as we should respect ourselves. In our town, we as youth and adults are still acutely aware of the pain, anguish, and fear brought into our lives with the shooting of Sandy Hook. We pray for these families and the friends of those killed, and we ask you to help them feel our love and prayers so they can continue to heal and find comfort in their time together as a family. God, we are so thankful for this amazing church, which brings us together for a common purpose of worship, supporting one another, caring for your people. We thank you for the love, care, and generosity this congregation gives our youth and children. Continue to be with us as we work to do your will. All of this we pray in Jesus' name. said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? As members of this church family, we have been able to help people from right here in Bridgeport to the plains of South Dakota. There really is, in my opinion, no better sense of self-gratification that you get in helping other people. The only way this church can continue to serve the world is by our generous donations. That spirit, our morning offering will now be received.
please join me in the unison prayer of dedication found in your bulletin. Dear God, accept these gifts morning, I would like to share with you a poem written by Maya Angelou that speaks to us about the way we are supposed to live our lives and the ways we are not when we call ourselves Christians. When I say, I'm a Christian, I'm not shouting, I'm clean living. I'm whispering, I was lost. Now I'm found and forgiven. When I say, I'm a Christian, I don't speak of this with pride. I'm confessing that, I'm, that I've stumbled and I need Christ to be my guide. When I say, I'm a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong. I'm professing that I'm weak and need God's strength to carry on. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not bragging of success. I'm admitting I have failed and need God to clean my mess. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. My flaws are far too visible, but God believes I'm worth it. When I say I'm a Christian, I still feel the sting of pain I have my share of heartaches, so I call upon God's name. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not holier than thou. I'm just a simple sinner who received God's grace somehow. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter. Here Jesus is talking to crowds of people about understanding the true nature of life. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. By, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glo glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This ends the reading from God's holy word.
judge a book by its cover. But lately in the process for searching for a college roommate, that's all I've been doing. <laughs> I look on someone's Instagram page and ask myself, do they seem normal? <laughs> but what do we define as normal? Most of you assume I'm normal. I'm a 17-year-old student. I go to Fairfield Ludlow in Bridgeport Aquaculture. 
I'm a youth group president, so that means I engage well with my community and have good leadership skills. I have a pet, I'm healthy, I enjoy sports, and love spending time with my friends and family. And although that is all very true, allow myself to let my guard down and really introduce myself. Hi, I'm Matilda Nichols. I'm an only child and have grown up my whole life in Fairfield, Connecticut. My entire family skis and I had to follow the tradition. So I was thrown onto skis as soon as I could walk. Since I was little, I dreamt of ski racing at the Olympics, but that hit a reality check when I realized my competition. <laughs> Flash forward to middle school, I had a solid group of friends, but nights at home were clouded with concerns for my dad's cancer treatments. Freshman year, I felt at my peak. I was making tons of new friends and was a valuable member of the field hockey and ski team. Then, COVID hit. My generation was stuck in a world that began and ended in the emptiness of our rooms. We couldn't socialize, our learning was limited to our screens, mental health cases started to rise during COVID as people's inner demons got the better of them. I grew up with a family history of alcoholism. I was diagnosed with depression and severe anxiety. I lost my childhood friend group and my dog of 16 years died last June. And finally, when we were out of COVID, the pressure rose. I had to spend my junior year maintaining perfect grades for college and attempting not to burn out of the sport I love. I had to be the perfect daughter, end up at the perfect college, and with the perfect future career. I had to be normal. I'm proud to say senior year wasn't as bad. Besides the endless amount of college applications and the necessity to create the perfect Common App essay, I learned the importance of seeking um, spending time with the ones I love and prioritizing my mental well-being over anything else. So let me ask you, am I who you thought I was? Nowadays, it's hard to tell who a person really is because it's so easy to hide behind a false front. We see others' lives displayed on our screens and they look normal, vastly more normal than us. We've adopted the addiction of checking our Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok every hour in case a drastic change comes into someone else's life. We create false personas of ourselves online to make sure we fit in. I don't wanna conform and be that person who hides behind a false front. This type of hiding reminds me of when Jesus said, beware of the wolves in sheep's clothing. We automatically think of the wolves as the threat and wonder what it, I wonder what it would feel like to be in someone else's skin to be the wolf in sheep's clothing, pretending to be another person so we can try to succeed, so people don't see the real us, so they don't judge or aren't afraid. I have been a member of this church since I was five. Most people wouldn't know it because before middle, middle school, I was the quiet, quietest little girl. <laughs> I didn't do a single pageant, sorry, Philip. <laughs> didn't receive a Bible in third grade and try to stay invisible until sixth grade when I walked into middle school youth group, terrified, scared I wouldn't make a single friend, yet the moment I walked through the church doors, I was overwhelmed with an abundance of love and just acceptance. Since then, I never thought twice about hiding who I really am here, because in this church community, I never felt as I would be judged or made fun of. I didn't stand up here today because it was fun. I told my story because I wanted to show you that this community doesn't laugh at someone's flaws. They embrace them. 
I think why most kids in youth group always speak about the mission trip is because we all form a sort of bond that can't be broken. A bond we share because we know each other to the deepest levels, through each and every flaw. During my time spent on the mission trip, I felt an immense amount of relief not having my phone and just being able to hang out with everyone. Not having the pressure to deal with someone's online breakup or Snapchat notification. I was able to live completely in the moment and be true to myself. God created us to be unique, not to fit in with the quote-unquote trends or normalcy. In John 1.4, God stated, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So let's think. What is the internet to define what is true about me? Who gets to decide how normal is presented? We should be the ones to decide. Because normal is open. Normal is real. And normal can't possibly be perfect. God never intended it to be so. So today, or tomorrow, or any day in the future, when you are worried you aren't living up to society's standard of perfect, just remember, every single one of you is normal. No matter if you're a morning person, wear socks to bed, or like the Patriots instead of the Giants. Our SEC community will embrace you. We will love your normal no matter what. Thank you. Congregational Church, I was six years old. I remember wearing a pretty pink dress and I had a small white bow in, my, bow in my hair. When we got to church, I thought it looked like a castle. I loved looking around and seeing the stained glass windows. I was so excited to see so many different faces. I sat with my parents and held their hands. We were, we were, probably, we were probably together for 15 or 20 minutes before Laura came over to the speakers and asked all the children to sit in a circle at the front of the church. I loved the way Laura's voices sounded. She had a really good energy and gave all of her attention. She smiled and was having fun with us. When she was done saying the prayer, she asked all of us to stand up and head to the chapel. I was so nervous and confused. I wanted to stay with my parents and my brother Jack. <laughs> I began to cry. My mom took my hand and walked me to make sure I was okay. We peeked, through the we peeked through the glass door and saw lots of kids of all different ages just running around. Some of the kids <laughs> looked so big, I was scared. But I was also a little curious to know what everyone was doing in there. Once inside, I sat down with the other kids from my grade. I peeped at the people next to me to see if I knew anybody that went to my school. And while looking around, I saw someone that seemed about my age walking in the middle of the chapel like they own the place. <laughs> we, we both had headbands in our hair and similar dresses. But Ken looked different because they were so comfortable. Right from that moment, I wanted to introduce myself to them. From that day forward, I never felt alone or just nervous at church. I knew I had a true friend. I 
I kept going back to church week after week. So I joined jun junior choir. Marnie was so good at keeping, at her, keeping our attention. She had such a pretty voice and made me want to sing louder and better so I could be just like her. Junior choir and youth group were such a fun way to end my week. They made me forget that I had to go to school the next day. <laughs> I loved my time at the church and I was excited for new, new opportunities to be involved. I should mention another reason why we started going to Southport Congregational Church. My mom grew up to First Congregational Church in Old Greenwich. She had belonged to their youth group and went on their mission trips for many years in Orland, Maine. With my mom's amazing upbringing at her church, she wanted Jack and I to have that experience. My dad, who also has felt touched and loves hearing Paul's sermons. Another fun fact is that she knew we would see Lisa Ducey there, <laughs> who we all love. <laughs> the summer after eighth grade, I went on my first mission trip with my brother and my dad. We went to Redshirt Table in South Dakota during family week. The trip was so eye-opening, and to me, in my extra grateful and to me, I'm extra grateful for everything I had in my life. Then during my freshman year, 10 of us started studying together and preparing for our confirmation. We started our confirmation class in person, and then when COVID came along in the spring, we switched to Zoom. Sitting on those Zoom calls with my friends from church made me realize I wasn't alone. We were all going through it together. Luckily, that June, we were able to meet in Laura's backyard on a beautiful day for our social distant confirmation. That summer, we unfortunately couldn't do our mission trip. The next summer, we still couldn't do our traditional mission trip, so we went local. We all stayed at the church for one week. Coming to the local mission trip on the first day, I remember asking myself, how are we going to do this? Knowing Laura, I know it was going to be fun, and we will get straight to work. We got to learn about Indian reservations around Connecticut, help donate food to one of the reservations, play games, and do an ice cream social and karaoke night at the barn. Looking back from that experience, that trip helped me get out of my comfort zone. One thing I really loved about my church is that I had, that I had lots of options for activities for teenagers. When we get into smaller groups, it helps everyone feel more comfortable. Church is a place where I feel accepted for who I am. There are adults in this community who have watched me grow up, and it means so much to me when they come up to me after choir, pat me on the back, and tell me I'm doing a good job. Laura and Paul make everyone feel welcome. They are like parents, making sure we feel safe, supported, and loved. They bring out the best in everyone. During the times of grief, they bring so much comfort. They, they look out for all of us and remind us that we are never alone. I'm so grateful to be part of this community. Thank you.
Yeah, right. So <laughs> oh my God. So I'm looking out and I, from my point of view that I wish you could see, is all the beautiful tears. There's a lot of beautiful tears. Um, and um, as I said to, to a couple of the speakers here, uh, Ken and Matilda, who were just on either side of me, and um, also true for, for Ellie, so I'll tell you now because we're separated by a few people. I said, thank you for bringing me to tears. Um, because what that is, is it's stirring our souls. Um, and it's really speaking the truth of what is most important um, far beyond this church, but just really what's important in life and talking about the real connections and talking about real hope and real healing and um, what this whole thing is about, what this church, faith, and God, being a Christian. So you did that and... Uh, I'm so happy, I'm so proud of you, of each one of you. I'm so happy for each one of you. Thank you for bringing God's spirit through your words and through your prayers, through your singing, through your smiles and your laughter, through your genuine beings. And I, for one, and I know it's true for everybody out there, I'm a different person now. I am a better person now than when I came. So thank you and God bless you. And I'm going to take this time also to say thank you, Laura Whitmore. <laughs> yes, she's shaking her head no. Yes. Thank you for being their loving shepherd and um, making God's love very, very real in every one of their lives. So the spirit that we are all feeling and sharing, may we take this with us this day. May we come back to it during the week. May it give us strength. May it lift us up and give us tremendous support and courage and joy and know what is possible out there and know how God works. God bless you now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.